Well, we have, uh, I would say, a special guest with us here today, but he's, he's not a guest. He's one of our own. He is uh, uh, Jordan Pilgrim. He's one of the new pastors out in Glenmore, and him and Liz have been uh, serving with us now for quite some time, and, uh, and just excited to have them come along with their family, and they've been uh, really uh, just getting involved in the Glenmore community. And so it's, uh, it's, we get the privilege of hearing him uh, this morning, and so we're excited, excited about that. Jordan's a great guy. He's been wrestling uh, with this topic. As you know, we've been going through Psalms over the summer, and, uh, and this one is, uh, this Psalms that we're going to dive into is, uh, is a difficult Psalm. And, uh, and so we are going to uh, tackle some sensitive issues, uh, but uh, uh, Jordan does a, a, an incredible job, and he speaks the word of truth and, and with authority that God has given him. And, and I'm so uh, excited to, to see and what, uh, what he's going to share with us uh, today. And, uh, and so why don't we just give him a big Willow Park welcome, uh, and uh, excited, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the willows, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord well in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Lord, as we come together today, I pray that you would just give us wisdom and give us insight, and as we walk through this verse, we walk hand in hand with Jesus telling us what it means. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Good morning. Thanks for having me. We've been having a real good time out in Glenmore. We've enjoyed it. We've been walking through the Psalms as you guys have as well. We find, I've found, as I've gone through the Psalms, I've been looking for the happy ones. I've been looking for the ones that say, this is a good day Praise the Lord, and they are very good. Even while I was looking to look for the one to talk about this week, I looked at Psalm 15, which talks about how to be a real good Christian. That would be nice. That would be nice to talk about on an August long weekend. And then I moved on to Psalm 117, where it just says, faithful, God is faithful. And I thought, that's a really nice one as well. And then I fell onto this one, Psalm 137, and I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get away from it. 
I listened to a sermon by a pastor named Brian Zond in, in, the, in, in the States. And he's just, it was so inspiring hearing his sermon. And a lot of today kind of comes from that, echoes that. I didn't know that there was no kids' church today. <laughs> and so as I prepared, I was just preparing that, and then there's no kids' church. But I really believe that it's okay. Because kids and adults along, all alike, we need to learn how to grieve. And kids have faced hard times, and adults have faced hard times. And we need to talk about these things, and we need to grieve. It was the 6th century BC, King Nebuchadnezzar ruled. Judah, under King Zedekiah, didn't want to pay tribute to Nebuchadnezzar, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Nebuchadnezzar sent the Babylonian troops to invade Judah. They marched on Jerusalem and laid siege. If you don't know what laying siege is, laying siege is, um, I didn't really know what it was, so I had to look it up. The act or process of surrounding and attacking a fortified place in such a way as to isolate it from its help and supplies for the, fur- for the purpose of lessening the resistance of the defenders and thereby, and thereby making capture possible. Laying siege means nobody gets in and nobody gets out. So the Babylonian army surrounds Jerusalem and nobody gets in and nobody gets out. Not for a week, not for a month, but for 18 months. You can imagine what it's like inside the walls. All their supplies have gone. People are dying. Disease is taking over. Infighting happens. Death and destruction are upon them. Stuff that we would never know. Stuff that we would never understand is happening to them. August 28, 587 B.C., they attacked. The holy temple was burned to the ground. They were slaves again. They captured King Zedekiah and his sons, and they killed his sons in front of him. They killed his sons, and immediately after, they took out King Zedekiah's eyes. So the last thing he saw was his sons being killed. King Zedekiah was placed in chains and was forced to walk back to Babylon 1,000 miles, forced into exile. They were once free and they were once free to worship their God, and now they're slaves 1,000 miles from home. The temple is gone. Their God is gone. Well, what they think? And they're downtrodden. They're sad. They're more than sad. They were suffering. They're suffering from what we know now as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. They were numb. They had no idea what to do. They didn't know where to turn to. They were stuck. And for all they knew, and they knew the rest of their lives, they were going to be slaves. There was no way they'd be rebuild the temple in their lifetimes. Their lives, as they knew it, were done. Bono once said there are two types of psalms. Praise and lament, the gospel, the worship songs, and the blues. There actually are indeed a few more than that. So thank you, Bono, for the lesson on the Bible. 
But there's a couple more. There's six actual different types of psalms. We have the praise. We have the songs that we normally sing on a Sunday morning. Your good, good father, which is, that song is so important to listen to and reflect on this verse because through this verse, God is the good, good father. There's other songs. We sing happy songs. We eat all these songs. We clap our hands and we get excited too. Those are songs that we normally sing on a Sunday morning. Lament are the songs we don't actually as much sing on a Sunday morning, but it wouldn't hurt us to do a little bit more of that. So lament are our hearts cry, our cry out to God, journaling, writing. Then we have wisdom psalms. Psalm 1, as we all know it, Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. Then we have historical psalms. This is a bit of a historical psalm as well. has some facts that what's happened um, in history. Then we have royal psalm, usually singing out to thanking God for King David and King Solomon. And then an imprecatory psalm. Learned a new word this week. You might be learning a new word this week, imprecatory. An imprecatory psalm are prayer, prayer songs so designated because of their particularly vigorous attitude towards the enemy. The verb imprecate, I guess, <laughs> means to pray evil against or to invoke a curse upon another. Why is that in our Bible? Why is that there? It's heavy, but it's there. We'll get to that one later. This psalm is three in one, historical, lament, and imprecatory. The blues. My dad, he was a jazz musician growing up. He loved jazz. So we heard a lot of that, and a lot of blues kind of came into our house. I really enjoyed the blues. But the blues, if you don't know, and most of us know what the blues are, um, it's a genre of music that originated by African-Americans in the deep south of the United States around the end of the 19th century. This genre was developed from roots in African musical traditions, African-American works, songs, spirituals, and folk music. It came from a deep, dark pain that the slaves in the deep south knew far too much about. Our, real, our very recent history, and unfortunately even current history, has this idea of capturing and enslaving people to do what we want them to do. And these songs, the songs of the blues, came out of that. This idea that this, there was an upwelling in their spirit, in their soul of, of, of pain, that they had to sing about it. They had to get it out somehow. It wasn't like, it wasn't these exciting songs, Oh, Happy Day. It was a tough time, and they didn't know what else to do. We in North America, in BC as well, Kelowna. I'm new to Kelowna. Thank you for having me. But we like to put on a good face. How are you doing this morning? Blessed and highly favored. Thank you. I'm happy God loves me. Amen, amen. I'm blessed. There's so much more to blessing than we think. It doesn't take that long to find out what it is. Matthew 5, verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I know a lady, very close to me, actually, my mother-in-law. 
She was 13, and her mom died. And she remembers being at the funeral, being at the funeral and looking over to her dad. There's about 10 kids, I think a lot of kids in their family, lots of kids. Looking over to her dad and seeing one single tear drop down his face. And that was it. After the funeral, they never talked about her again. There was no grieving. There was no mourning. In, one tear, out, done. Brian Zahn puts it like this. If, I, if, if we refuse to lament, we refuse to be healed. If we refuse to lament, we refuse to be healed. If we refuse to grieve, God can't heal us. Sorrow must be shown. We are tempted to hide away our pain, but it does no one any good to put on a show. If you put on a show today, we are all going through difficult times. We will go through difficult times. We are not made for this. We are not made for death. We need to grieve. We cannot put on a show. Lamenting, Brian Zahn puts it like this, lamenting is like taking a knife or a chisel and digging out the pain and the suffering that is in your heart. Digging it out, getting rid of it, and allowing the Holy Spirit to come back in, allowing Jesus' death on the cross to come back in and fill that spot. If you just cover it over, if you just, if you just cover it over and move on, nothing is changed, nothing is healed. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. This psalm opens with a line that draws us in. You can picture it. You can picture them sitting by the rivers of Babylon, dejected, confused, lost, sad, crying, having lost their loved ones, having lost their babies, having lost their husbands and wives, seeing things that no one should ever see. This psalm opens up with a picture that we can read, a picture that we can see. A thousand miles from home, the temple destroyed, life as they know it is done. We don't understand that. We won't understand that. We sit here today in a very free world. But there are people in our world that understand what they're going through. And let's not turn our eyes and turn our hearts to what is going on around the world. There is refugees being forced out of their homes, thousands of miles from their home, seeing loved ones overboard, drowning, seeing loved ones in pain, seeing their babies die, seeing their loved ones ruined. The pain is real. Be thankful that we don't suffer through that, but also pray and realize that people do suffer through these things. And that we are here and we are called to love them and to serve. God blesses those who mourn. Those people that are mourning, they are close to God. God promises to come close to us when we are mourning. We all mourn. Some of us sit here today 
My heart goes out to the Jansons and the Vanderbergs. Experiencing loss is not something that we are made for. Adam and Eve, when God made us, He made us to be with Him in paradise, not to suffer through pain and death and destruction. This is not normal what we're going through. As you sit here today, you might be going through something on your own. You might be sitting here right now and you've had three miscarriages. And that mourning and that pain is real. You might be sitting here and when you were 10 years old, your mom died or your dad died and you haven't properly grieved yet. You've covered that over. As you sit here, Allow the Holy Spirit to carve that out. We all go through different varying types of pain. And we will all experience loss. Someone might have left this morning and had a fight with their husband and wife. A kid might be sitting here today and their mom and dad may be going through a divorce. It doesn't matter what's happening. It matters that God wants to meet you where you're at. God wants to meet us all where we're at in whatever area we are in grieving. Nothing too big, nothing too small. God blesses those who mourn. We ask ourselves, why is this psalm in the Bible? Why is it here? Well, we can safely say it's because we are meant to mourn. You know, 40% of the psalms, so out of those six categories, 40% of those are lament psalms. 40%. It's not 40% or 50% praise ones. It's 40% lamenting. 40% crying out to God, saying, I'm in pain. There on the willows we hung our harps, for there our Creator asked us for songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? Sing for me, dance for me, do that thing you did. That was so cool back there. You used to love Jesus so much. You used to love God so much that you would dance and you would sing. You would do the things that I wanted you to do. I want you to do that right now. I want you to get up. I want you to take your harp. I want you to play for me because I'm your captor and I can make you do that. And they say, no, I can't. You can't make me do that. My heart is destroyed My life has been taken from me. I would rather, you might as well just take my life. Everything's gone. I can't just pick up my harp. The only person that can tell me to pick up my harp and play is God. The only person I want to worship with my harp is God. In Brian Zahn's sermon, he says, he he entitles it, Harps on Willows. Time to hang it up. But then we talk about, hey, let's take that harp off. The only person that I want to worship with my musical instrument is God. Let's pick up our Stratocaster and let's play the blues. Let's get back into it. Let's just pour my heart out and I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to sing about this destruction. I'm going to tell God how much it hurts. So you pick up your guitar, you pick up your harp, and you pick up your journal and you write. How ironic is it that this is actually a song sung about not wanting to sing a song? You know? This is a song about, I don't want to sing, so I'm going to sing about not wanting to sing. There's a bit of an issue there. But it is. It's telling us we can sing about this stuff. There's deep healing that comes in music. 
if we don't take this to God, if we don't take our laments to God, it's going to come out some other way. And what happens is, is when we say, blessed are those who mourn, if we don't mourn, we have to cover it up some other way. So we end up covering it by self-medicating. You know what? I'm going through a hard time, and I don't want to deal with it right now. I don't want to pick up my journal and write about it, so I'm going to go grab a bottle of wine, and I'm going to have a glass. So then you go have a bottle of wine, you have a glass of wine, and then one glass doesn't help, so you go for another glass. You start to self-medicate. And that is so rampant in our culture. Addiction, alcoholism, going to the internet to fill a void. We fill these voids with anything but what God wants us to fill it with. We fill our grieving voids with anything but what God wants us to fill it with. So we got to be careful not to self-medicate. we got to be careful to go to the true source. So Psalm 137 starts off as a blues song. Starts off like, like the blues. Starts off something bluesy. We all kind of like the blues. <laughs> but then it goes to a different genre of music that we probably don't like quite as much. Some of us might. A bit of death metal is what happens next. A bit of like a, a heavy, heavy metal, heavy, strong music. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day that Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Tear down what they did. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Whoa, that's heavy. That's so heavy. As I was looking at this this week, I was, and, and even yesterday, after I found out that the kids would be in here, I said, why is this here, God? Why can't I skip over? Why can't I do 117a? We can get around 117a, the first half of that chapter, and then skip over to 118, and 118 is I'll give thanks with all my heart. Oh, that would be lovely. Let's just go on to 118, and let's skip this little part of the Bible. We can't just dismiss it. It's here. What is in this psalmist? What is in this person writing this song that they have seen? What have they seen? This is not someone that has just been like fired from work and now they're praying destruction on somebody. This is not someone taking a a small offense and adding 10 million times to it and saying, I want this to happen. This is someone that's seen this happen and, and is just getting it out and saying, oh, this is painful. There's only one place that words like this are okay to have. And that's in the presence of God. And it stays in the presence of God. It goes to the presence of God, and it stays at the cross, and it remains there. Walter Bergman says, there's no indication that the pathos-filled Jews took any action against the little ones in Babylon. This was just a heart's cry. I heard a story about a lady who who, uh, had something happen to one of her family members. And she had this pain and she had this desire to retaliate to this person who had killed one of her family members. And in her imagination, she let herself go to a place. 
She says, I want to take my vengeance out on that person. And then she did that, and it didn't fulfill a void. And she did it again, and she, it didn't fill the void that needed to be filled. And that's never. Violence cannot beget violence. We cannot repay violence with violence because then that violence will just be repaid to us. The only place that these words are safe is in the presence of God. You are feeling them. I am feeling them. We are all feeling these pains. We need to take them somewhere, so we have to take them to Jesus. He knows what you're thinking. You take them to Him, and you leave them at the cross. They're only safe in the presence of God. Sometimes, Brian Zahn says, sometimes we need to say things in God's presence that we know He is not going to bless. He's not going to bless that. Psalms, this, this psalm is not a theological text. We're not saying this is what's going to happen. This is just, we are allowed to see into someone's heart cry. We're allowed to see into, somebody's, into someone's pain that we don't really ever get to see into. To give us permission to go into God's presence and say, God, this is what I'm feeling, unedited. This is for you, and I'm not going to let anybody else know about this. Might come out in counseling. <laughs> but we need to be safe in God's presence. What happens if we don't deal with this in God's presence? It does come out somewhere else. And then you do go to counseling because it comes out in different rages. Our world is full of rage right now, if you haven't seen that. Go on Facebook, find some political post, and you will see rage. Go on Facebook and look where a wildfire started, and they will blame Albertans in a second. <laughs> there is rage happening. You drive down the road, you see road rage. Why, is, why do people get so upset that they take people out of a car and beat on them? This is, there is rage inside our society that needs to get out, and there's only one place it should go is to Jesus and the cross. If we don't take that rage to the cross, it comes out in our families, it comes out in abuse, it comes out in yelling at our kids, it comes out somewhere. Take it to the right place. Bruce Colburn has a song, If I Had a Rocket Launcher. I'm going to read it. I'll be careful. Bruce had recently visited uh, Guatemalan refugee camps in southern Mexico. The refugees were the survivors of terrible atrocities perpetuated by, by a vicious military government in, his home, in their homeland. In the fragile shelters of camps, they were starved, denied medical care, and were still subjected to attacks by the Guatemalan army. They were facing genocide, and it was painful. The notes of this song were written over tears and a bottle of bells in a tiny hotel room in San Cristobal de la Casa, the nearest town to one of these camps. That was from Rumors of Glory. So here's the song written by Bruce Colborn in response, in a heart's cry, to what he saw in genocide in Guatemala. Here comes the helicopter, second time today. Everybody scatters and hopes it goes away. How many kids they've murdered, only God can say. If I had a rocket launcher, I'd make somebody pay. 
I don't believe in guarded borders and I don't believe in hate. I don't believe in generals or their stinking torture states. And when I talk with survivors of things too sickening to relate, if I had a rocket launcher, I would not hesitate. I want to raise every voice, at least I've got to try. Every time I think about it, water rises to my eyes. Situations desperate, echoes of the victim's cry. If I had a rocket launcher, some SOB would die. This is not a call to action. Bruce later says, it's not a call to action. This is a cry to God. There is pain, there is suffering, and he's angry, and he's upset, and he takes it to the cross. Bruce is a Christian, so you know, Christian songwriter. There's something about that last line of the psalm and something about the last line of Bruce Colburn's song that had to be taken out, had to get out. There is people here today feeling some of these feelings. You have to let it out in the presence of God. The Psalms aren't always pretty. In fact, they can be outright painful and hard to read, Walter Bergman points out. Jesus has shown us the only way to achieve peace and properly properly react to anything wrong and violent is to turn the other cheek. Jesus tells us that we need to turn the other cheek. There is scripture after scripture asking us to call for peace and asking us to lay down our lives. I saw a t-shirt the other day, and it had the Avengers on it. And it had all the Avengers kind of gathered around Jesus. And he says, why don't I show you how I saved the world? It's not through vengeance. It's through peace. It's through the cross. Don't rage in the wrong way. Grieve in the right way. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. The Old Testament is very tricky to walk through. And I want to encourage you today, as you and I walk through the Old Testament, do it hand in hand with Jesus. What do you mean by this, Jesus? What are you saying? Why can't I skip over this? This is horrible. What are you saying? Walk hand in hand with Jesus. The cross redeems. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to sing a song. But as I do, I want us to, to think, and I want us to, some, this might just go over some people's heads today, or don't even like, ah, I don't need it. One day you will. Unfortunately. But if you are sitting here today grieving, knowing that there's something that you need to give to God, I want to encourage you before you leave these doors just to say, God, take this. In His presence, it's safe. It might be at home on the floor. It might be out for a walk, praying in God's presence. And you say, God, I need to give this to you. I have something pent up in my heart, and it hurts, and I want to let you have it. I can't. I can't carry it anymore. For people that have experienced loss, I'm sorry. Don't just go out today and say, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. Life's great. I'm blessed and highly favored. 
Go out and mourn. Be in God's presence. Let's stand and sing.